Breaking the Panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are. If you want to support the show and get a little something in return, just go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel because we do appreciate the help. I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? Tony Stark was able to build this in the cave. Look like the scraps. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comics life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, the special edition. We are doing a Doctor Strange roundtable. This is where we're going to go spoiler-free and then spoiler-filled with all kind of stuff about the movies. This is, has all of the hosts from the Giant Size Team-Up Network that we could gather in one council. I am the Rock of Podcasting, Charles McFall. The chuckles you hear over there is Paul Klotz. Hello. And, of course, as always, the third leg of our stool that is breaking the panel, Chris Wisdom. We are not in the mirror dimension. We are going to damage some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us from the network tonight, we have got MCU Cast's own Jeff Randall. What's up, guys? If we're not in the mirror dimension, I don't have enough power. Can we please jump to that real quick? Just brought your slip ring. <laughs> sling ring. Sling ring. Sir. Slingbox. Ah, first sling slip box. So, and for the first time making his debut on a Breaking the Panel roundtable from Pokemon Go Podcast, we've got Joe Ard. Howdy, y'all. Hey. I wonder what Pokemon would Doctor Strange have? And now I'm going to mute his mic permanently. <laughs> uh, you can't come here anymore. You're the guy that when you're at the door, you just walked away. Uh, now, you know what? I want to let you have that one, Joe. We, what do you think, Wisdom? What Pokemon would be Dr. Strange's favorite? Alakazam! I was thinking, I was thinking Kadabra. Because right now, he's not quite... To being the sorcerer, mm. I would think I would think drowsy just because of the fingers. You know, he's That's always doing the motions. He's yeah, he's doing his magic. This is why you're not allowed to speak, Charles. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you tell you broke two guys. podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so everybody here has gone to see Doctor Strange. Uh, let, you know, let's talk about the experience. How did how was your experience seeing it? Did, you know, basically, did you go open opening night? Did you have fun with the crowd? Uh, we'll start at the top, Jeff. How was it in Alabama? I went at seven p.m. on Thursday night, and uh, I saw it in IMAX. I sat a little bit to the right of center, which was not ideal, but you know, I got there a little bit late. Mom was dragging her feet; it was frustrating. <laughs> So like, oh, wait, that's wait, wait. what it was. That's that's uh, that's sad because sometimes we do break into your mom jokes, and now it's, we really can't because you just yeah. set the bar. Mom. <laughs> so my people were dragging their feet, so we got there a little bit late, but it was still really, really, really awesome. And everybody in the theater loved the parts that they should have loved, and then like kind of fell flat right at the end, which was a little odd because I was like, what? But you guys were such nerds before. Like, why is nobody excited about all of this? It was weird. <laughs> what about you, Joe? How was your experience? Oh, it was great. Uh, went to a newly renovated theater and uh, found out that they've got reclining seats. Oh. Uh, yeah, leather reclining seats, a lot of leg room. It was awesome. And how was the crowd? Do you, in, do you like going with big crowds? Did they respond? How was that? Uh, so I went Saturday evening, and 
Oh, did was, you watch it 3D IMAX? How'd you? Yeah. Oh, I I don't like 3D. It gives me a headache. Uh, it if I had my choice, but it's a unicorn to find. I would watch it in 2D IMAX. But no, I just went to to 2D, and to be honest, there was only about 60 percent of the theater was filled up, which I was surprised because it was Saturday. It was the day you know, just. That weekend, opening weekend. But anyway, uh, regardless, I was very proud of the uh, of the audience because maybe two people got up when the credits started, and so I was very proud. <laughs> they're, they're learning. I judge every one of them harshly when they leave the theater. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know what? On on I hate to bring it up, but on okay, on one of the other movies I saw this summer, <laughs> uh, I, I was sitting there in the in the crowd, and the people started leaving. I'm like, I'm not leaving. This is a superhero film. And the employees of the the theater came in early because they usually wait till the credits are done. They came in. They, they came in and said, "Going, everybody can leave. There's nothing, no stingers. Everybody can leave." I'm like, I still didn't believe them. I still stayed and like, wait a minute, that was <laughs> hey. actually true. Hey Jeff, so, can you guess which podcast would cover that movie? <laughs> oh uh, God, uh, the one that's not here tonight, perhaps. Ah, <laughs> uh, I thought Jason was going to make it, but apparently not. So, Chris, what was your movie-going experience? All right, so I big tier. I didn't, I didn't get to uh, go see it in IMAX. Uh, so that's the first Marvel movie I enough. haven't gotten to see in IMAX in uh, probably the last five that have been out. I, I was very sad. I only got to see it in regular 3D. Um, I loved it, but I, I could tell that I was not getting the full experience that I should have gotten. Um, other than that, though, the the visuals in this movie were simply stunning. I could not believe it. I went and I saw it on uh, matinee on Friday, Veterans Day. I was surprised at how few people there were in the theater as well. Just for, I mean, how many people should have been off in in my in my circles? Um, but it was the the theater was half full, I think, and I think four or five people left early before even the uh, the first stinger happened and i shook my head i shook it in sorrow at their, <laughs> at their ignorance <laughs> and the, the first stinger happens pretty quickly yeah the first stinger is really good <clears throat> yes 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 i hold it for the non-spoiler or for the spoiler part so so chris d- did you feel like uh being among the poor huddled masses of regular plebs who didn't get to see it in imax like ruin the experience for you or was it just okay uh, you know, I felt a little dirty. I, I did. I feel like maybe those aren't the people that I. No, I just no, I kid. You're saying you felt like a Paul Klotz for a minute? <laughs> oh, rude. 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 No, um, uh, no, that that it just the uh, just when you can knowing because Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. The whole thing was shot in 3D, correct? As far but, as I know, but it wasn't shot in IMAX 3D. It was shot in 3D. Right. Um, which is a big step forward because a lot of a lot of films either they don't shoot the whole thing in 3D or they go back and refilm some stuff in 3D. But a lot of it's been a lot of it's conversion, and you can tell you can there's an easily identifiable difference between conversion and stuff that's shot in 3D. Um, but a movie that's completely thought shot in 3D, I really feel like I should have seen it on that big beautiful curved screen, and I didn't get to see it there. I mean, it was great. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. what I did see. This is this is a gorgeous movie. All right, Klaus. What was your experience? Uh, I went last Saturday, which would have been you know the like third day it was out. Um, I, the the theater wasn't completely packed, but it was full. Like you know, it was probably at about eighty eighty five percent. 
and you know the people people were pretty cool that nobody was crazy you know what i mean like nobody was like hooting and hollering at like the the easter eggs or anything like that um except <laughs> so I, I tentatively bring this up but towards the end of the film there's a scene in chinatown mm-hmm. and <laughs> it was very authentic for me in the theater i saw it in the uh, regular 3d by the way not imax 3d um but the experience became very immersive for myself because sitting right behind me was a small group of uh, Asian girls who were speaking to each other. And I, what I presume is Chinese. I'm not fluent in Chinese, so I can't, you know, specifically identify it. But they kept whispering. They didn't talk the entire film until the scene in Chinatown. And then they were chattering the entire time. And I was like, what is going on? Is this like some kind of weird you know, real life immersion thing. Like, is this like a pilot program? (laughs) Are they plants? um, It was really, really funny. And it was just one of those little weird curveballs life throws you where you just laugh a little bit. Um, I mean, they weren't loud or anything. It wasn't like they were being rude or anything. It was just, they were like talking to each other. I think they were trying to explain something to each other or whatever. But in any case, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good fun. I went with some friends and uh, we, we quite enjoyed it. Um, I might go again tomorrow. You know, so uh, I have some friends who haven't seen it yet that want to go see it in one of those nice, like, kickback style theaters that Joe mentioned. Uh, you know, <laughs> one of those ones on. where you can, like, you know, you're in a full recliner and you order food and stuff, and it's, it's awesome. And it starts yeah, rubbing your shoulders. <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely, you know, a little bit of cheering at the right parts. There was laughs, you know, laughs at the obvious jokes. Um, but yeah, it was it was good times. Very cool. I went Friday. So technically opening night was Thursday, the whole preview thing they do now, right? Whereas Friday's opening day, blah, blah, blah. I went Friday at the first showing they had in the afternoon, and I was watching the commercials going, hey, maybe this is a movie we go see in 3D because I I can't take my glasses off and watch 3D because it'll hurt. It'll give me a headache by the end of the movie. So I put the glasses on over my glasses, which isn't ideal, but it works. It's okay. Uh, my wife's not a huge fan of 3D, but you know she thought, hey, you know what? Watching the commercials, maybe this one is. I got to say, uh, you know, the cameo, everybody does. Agreed or disagree? Stanley cameos are not spoilers, right? They're not. Yeah, okay. They, they have nothing to do with the plot. Really. Right, okay. Everybody should know at this point, Stanley is in every Marvel film. So the Stanley cameo where he's reading Force Perspective book, I thought it was great. Uh but that was my thing is like, I don't know that 3D made a difference for me because it's all forced perspective anyway, and it looked really good. I think the 2D would have been just as fine. It was forced perspective? Or it, it, I thought it was the doors of perspective, perception. I thought that's what I had. Ah, I don't know. It flashes so fast. I thought it said something about forced perspective. Forced no, perspective. It was the doors of perception. It was the, um, okay. the book that, uh, what was it? Huck? Aldous Huxley wrote about his time on mescaline. Okay. okay. I got it now. But also, it would have been funny to have forced, a book on forced perspective, right? Because that's what you're getting in this film. Is it, Without 3D glasses, you're getting a 3D effect. So I'm not sure how much. I know the, the cape, right? That did well in 3D. But other than that, I don't know. But I enjoyed it. It was a smaller crowd, which is what I personally love. Uh, there were a few chuckles. People liked it, but only one couple walked out for the stingers. Everybody else stayed put. So it was, I, I enjoyed it. I, I gotta say again, though, Deadpool has broken me. I can no longer get that roller coaster 
ride high from any hero movie now. It's like, oh, that was really well done. It's a fun story, but I no longer go come out going, wow, that was amazing. Did you guys, any of you get the amazing feel from this movie? Oh, I loved it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I loved it. Loved I'm it. just saying, were you like, wow, blown away, like the first time maybe you saw Avengers or something? I was, yeah. Nothing's going to yeah. top the first time that we saw Avengers, man. Come on. Right. Now, I mean, Deadpool is mine. I mean, I well, here's the thing. I'm the kid in the group. I really am. I go to love the film. Uh, that's why I can still love Transformers with all the grief I get about Michael Bay. I uh, can love those films because I went to see live Transformers, you know, look like they're in the real world. I don't give a crap about a story. I got what I wanted. Huge robots running around transforming. So you would so, get just as much enjoyment out of going to Comic-Con and seeing the cosplay as you would out of a Michael Bay film, right? I'm saying that's what I went for for that film. It's a cartoon come to life. That's all I went for. Shut I up, Chris. I don't know, Chris. Are there explosions at Comic-Con? Pretty sure if I saw Jessica Negri, yes. My, <laughs> sh- <laughs> my point, though, my point is and I go in involved. and I, I, I enjoy movies that other people don't enjoy. Because I'm like, I want to like them, and I have that childlike demeanor sometimes with that. But watching the films ever since, Deadpool was truly a roller coaster ride. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. Saves Halloween. You are Ernest. Oh. Saves Halloween. <laughs> the mind of a child. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hated that Ernest film, but I love Ernest P. Worrell, man. Anyway. Get this man some Miyak, people. Ever, <laughs> ever since ever since Deadpool, though, I've lost that ability for any superhero film to just be blown away and immersed. You know, use that term, Claude, immersed in the film. I can't get immersed anymore. I'm watching a fun film just as if I was sitting at home watching Luke Cage or Daredevil. Okay, you know. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say Charles is wrong. I'm not gonna fully agree with him. But I, I'll tell you, I did. It wasn't Deadpool for me. What I was looking for in Doctor Strange, because it's such a deviation from the the standard Marvel formula. Um, I was looking for that same kind of that same kind of feel that I that I got walking out of Guardians. Because when I walked okay, out of Guardians, yeah. I felt like that was this generation's Star Wars. Yeah, and and yeah. that's what I was look. I was looking for something akin to <clears throat> this is. This is this this movie has made its mark. This is an indelible movie in some sort of genre, and I and that's the only thing I didn't get from this movie. It was a wonderful movie. Everything was great about it. I I enjoyed myself immensely. I just didn't get that that hallmark of it that I can point back to and say that's the mold that Doctor Strange broke. <clears throat> I, yeah. See, uh, somebody asked me about it today. Actually, somebody who listens to the show. So shout out to Salvatore. You'll hear this later. Um, the way I would describe it, is, and this is how I told him, is I was like, it obviously for me wasn't like on par with Civil War or, you know, even even the first Avengers film. You know what I mean? It wasn't one of the slam dunks for me where I was like, this is amazing. Like, this was everything I wanted and more. But it was great. It, you know, it wasn't bad at all. Like, I have no complaints. I wa- And I, that's exactly what I said when I walked out. Because a lot of times when we walk out of a superhero movie, my group of friends and I, it, the questions start coming out from the people who are a little less, in, you know, familiar with the material. And the rest of us kind of fill in stuff. And then people discuss what they liked or didn't like. Um, and I was like, I have no complaints. But I'm also not fully versed in you know, Dr. Strange, but at the same time, it was like, it was great. I enjoyed it. it you know, and it, it was like Ant-Man for me where it was like, 
this was a great film. I enjoyed it. It was very entertaining. The funny parts were funny. The story was compelling. I, I was interested to see where it was going. And I, I there were some twists and turns and some things that surprised me, some Easter eggs that I really liked. You know, so that was great. Um, but it definitely wasn't like going to break the mold. You know what I mean? As far as like the Guardians of the Galaxy or a Civil War or a First Avengers film. Um, but that's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, we're talking about a a connected world, a franchise with so many different characters and so many different films. And, you know, Chris kind of hit the nail on the head. You're trying to scratch a different itch. Right. With some of these some of these fringe films. But I, that's I, OK. I will, I will, Chris. You brought up that point about you. You don't think it broke a mold. I'm gonna have to say I think maybe it did, because it's nothing that we've ever seen like this on a Marvel big screen, right, Jeff? There's been no major magic like this on the big screen. Yeah, and they they kind of uh, they kind of did the the Arthur C. Clarke thing where they're like, oh no, it's just science. You call it whatever, but with it's, Thor, it's right, right, right. Up, yeah, it's straight up magic in most of it, and. Mm. <clears throat> The um, the thing that I feel sets it apart is that it's the same set apart feeling that the Doctor Strange comic has from like the Avengers comics, because he's just so damned out there as far as, you know, all of the things that he deals with, all the powers that he has. He just feels like this overpowered human guy who, thank God, is on the side of good and the things that he has to to deal with just have such grand scope comparatively. And then he does his own thing. And most of the time he doesn't interact with those other guys. And that's kind of what the movie felt like is that it was just so set apart and crazy. And you're like, why don't the Avengers know about this kind of thing? I mean, they can't help <laughs> at all, but like, why don't, why, why don't they know? Well, and, and, and I agree with that to a certain degree, but that's not, that's not to me anyway, that's, that wasn't anything supremely different than what I got from the Thor movies. Okay, you know but I mean? that's, let why, me, that's why I'm saying it's not it's not mold breaking. Well, I didn't make maybe, a, maybe it didn't break a mold in the Marvel universe, but follow me here. The, the, the next step to that to me is what are the other magic movies that would be out there? A genre like this, fantasy. You're talking about Harry Potter, right? Uh, Legend. Oh, that's a good one. You're going way back for that. That's good. So if you're going to go way back, you're going to talk about uh, never ending story. I mean, there's yeah, the there's, 80s there's stuff. More fantasy than than magic, but right. Still, that's, but I, I guess that's the vein that I was really hoping that it would tap because that's that's a perfect genre for this story to go into, and that's something that, that I'm I was hoping for a little more fantastical. Into. Yeah, yeah, a little more of seeing the the monsters that are around. That on well, different planes and whatnot. One of the things that I really liked about it, it well, f two things real quick. First of all, what I do think it broke the mold of is it, it was clearly a film that was shot on a lot of green screen. However, it's probably the first film I've seen like that in a long time, maybe since Avatar, that didn't look like it the entire time. Agreed. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The, the effects were so crisp, so phenomenal, so seamlessly combined with the real sets and the real shots and the like stuff like uh, the cloak of levitation. You know, it there are a, a bunch of scenes where it is fully animated and you know that there's not a, a single red stitch on his shoulders. You know what I mean? And then there are other scenes where he's very clearly wearing wardrobe and it, the the it still looked great no matter what in both you know both scenarios but yeah I, that was something i was looking for i was like you know i i was kind of like let me hit something that's going to put me in the uncanny valley where i don't believe this anymore you know what i mean yeah like 
uh, with the uh, with the mandalas and the and the shields, all the symbols that were in the mm-hmm. air floating around them, it looked so just integrated with it. I I kind of felt like that's is that magic? Is that actually magic? Or are they just filming actual <laughs> magic happening? <laughs> yeah, some of that stuff was so crisp. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is like you know talking about the nature of the magic itself with like how it warps the environment and everything. I loved how abstract it was. I mean, from an artistic perspective, it was incredible. You know, it, it was just like, it was, I haven't felt that way. Like, you know, when they go into the, the mirror realm or whatever it's called, I forget exactly. The mirror dimension. Mirror dimension, yeah. When they go into that and they start manipulating the environment, I, it reminded me of the Matrix in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it reminded me of that wonder that I felt the first time I saw the Matrix. Yeah. Where it was like, anything is possible in film now you know what i mean and oh so, my god you can have and, just all of the guns ever right <laughs> and we can, can we just take a second to appreciate how amazing the graphics were i mean right the cgi was seamless in my opinion it, it's some yeah. of the best graphic it's some of the best cgi i've ever seen to be honest I think that's the main thing that every reviewer is touching on is that this film is so incredibly visually beautiful. Even like, you know, they, you constantly hear the words like kaleidoscope, um, the, Mm. the trippy psychedelic, everything like that. Do not drop acid and go to this film. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to. You don't need to. You don't don't need to. You really don't. It would be, it would be the best trip ever. That, that was one thing that, that I didn't... So in my movie-going experience, Helen Hunt was at the back of the theater and she jumped out a window screaming during... It was, it was crazy. <laughs> well, and it was so hard well, to determine what was... That's a reach. It was hard to tell what was practical and what was CGI. And when they, mm-hmm. when they reach that point, it's ju- it, it just makes your movie-going experience that much better. It's, it's perfect. Well, well, I mean... It'll continue to get better, I'm sure, but it was when it doesn't distract from oh it. God. It's think awesome. about uh, well, Doctor Strange sure. is going to be in Infinity War. Think about that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, you're talking about the visuals and and all that jazz. I will say they committed to 3D because I've watched plenty of 3D movies in my time, and from time to time I'll go, "Huh, this is just a regular dialogue scene, nothing special." Let me check. Oh yeah, that's 2D. And it's, you know, a lot of 3D films are just 2D mixed with 3D in the action parts, right? Yeah, Not this one. When he's... Kind of big gimmick. Yeah, exactly. This has zero gives. When he's in the apartment after the surgery and it's raining outside and it's when he breaks up with Rachel McAdams or whatever. Why would you do that? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but uh, but I took... My, that's I'm like regular dialogue scene, right? It's emotional, whatever. Nothing gimmicky 3D is going on here. Popped off my glasses. No, no, the rain, everything was in 3D. And I put them back on and it just, I could appreciate the scene much more in the depth of the, if you look at the raindrops on the window, that's when I focused on that. I went, wow, that's cool. I, I Kudos to you guys for committing to 3D this whole entire movie. Well, and surely Charles, you, you've got to give them, you've got to give them credit for the, the Deadpool cameo in the movie. With all the little hands. <laughs> That's no so spoilers, wrong, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I, I actually was looking for, for it's like at the end of Ant-Man, I'm looking for Wasp somewhere off in the corner. I was looking for Wasp somewhere off in the corner through those universes that he went through. Uh, so I was, I was like, is that, is, is he in the quantum realm? Is that, no, where is she? <laughs> Get smaller, dude. Get smaller. Right? 
<laughs> so, uh, do we want to talk about favorite scenes? It was non-spoilerly before we do the numbers and then go into the spoiler part, or do we want to just jump to the numbers and the non-spoilery favorite scenes that I have? They're all spoilery. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for the non-spoiler review. Unless somebody <laughs> else wants to throw in something, I mean, you should go see it. If you listen to us for any reason, any of our shows, you're a geek. You're gonna to want to go see this film. If you haven't, um, what are you doing with your life? You know what? Let's <laughs> mention the one thing we haven't talked about: the acting from everybody. I thought was really good, except maybe Benjamin Bratt. He was just Benjamin Bratt, but (laughs) (laughs) right, just Benjamin Bratt. It's just this time he also had magic. Well, we didn't know that, but well, kind of. Anyway, it's not obvious. He didn't have to act like he had magic. (laughs) But I thought, what do you guys say? I thought, I thought all the main characters really did a great job. Yeah, I mean, you know, the standout is obvious. Well, okay, you know what? That's a good prompt. I was really impressed with Benedict Cumberbatch's English, or I'm sorry, American, American yeah. accent. Uh, it did not throw me off at all. It was very fluid. And he didn't, like, I think I only noticed maybe once in the entire film where I heard a little bit, a little bit of his normal inflection. But then that was like when he, because sometimes when you vocalize that that's not words, you can't keep that accent out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was one of those things. Like I think it might have been like in a scene where he was like yawning or something like that. You know what I mean? He had a British yawn. It was a very proper yawn. His pinky went up while he stretched. If you listen to him, his voice is very different from the way that his right. voice normally is. And, and I'll tell you that I'm I'm glad you brought up his his accent and his voice acting because i couldn't place it from the beginning but something was like i know i've heard that voice before oh yeah that was a really good dr house impression i see i didn't get dr house (laughs) i got i got magnum pi (laughs) a voiceover from magnum pi like he's doing tom Selleck. (laughs) (laughs) we have established with all of chris references tonight that he is an 80 year old woman (laughs) (laughs) you're <laughs> old awesome uh what joe pipe in what do you got uh i thought the characters were amazing um marvel in general has an issue about developing their uh villains but that's probably because they have a tendency to kill them off after one movie um but uh yeah i mean the character development was spot on and the the acting was was great uh mads mickelson does mads mickelson <laughs> i mean he's kind of acts the same way in just about every movie he does. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was real good. I mean, you can't argue with Hannibal Lecter with magic, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially when he got all wrapped up. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely channeling his inner, inner Hannibal. <laughs> all right. So that is the end of this non spoilery section. Let's throw out some numbers from Box Office Mojo. Opening weekend, Doctor Strange brought in 85. 85 million. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm starting to understand Matt's frustration. That's your thunder. <laughs> That's your thunder. It's gone. Jeff has it. <laughs> I, I think of all the people here, Chris, you'd be the most angry because he stepped on your line, which was to step on my line. So this production budget was $165 million. Total lifetime gross currently as of the 11th, which is the day before we recorded this, domestic is $124 million. Foreign is $240 million, bringing the worldwide to $365 million. 
uh, billion, a million, billion. What? Million. Million. Yeah. Maths, man. I gotta hate them. Commas, dude. They're hard. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can read's good though. You put an M in there. I know what you mean. Three hundred sixty-five million. Commas, it's an M. <laughs> All right, so that is box office mojo. Uh, rotten Tomatoes. You know, you, know <laughs> you freaking addicts out there have to have your Rotten Tomatoes stuff. The tetometer is. Tomatometer? There we go. I said it right. Tomometer. I like mine better. Tomatometer. I say tomometer. Tomato meter. Tomato meter. You know. 90% certified fresh. Average rating 7.3 out of 10. 250 reviews counted. 24 rotten. 226 fresh. Audience scores 91% liked it. 4.3 out of 5 on average. With 69,000 ratings put in. Look at that. Uh, that that beats, you know, a couple of thousand for sure. So good movie overall by all the numbers and by the box office. What do we estimate? Is this going to be up there? What do we got to call it? Deadpool money? Is it going to be the Deadpool money? Is it going to be bigger? No. You think no. it's going to be a billion? No, it's going to do a respectable amount of money, but not. Will it make the 800 million mark? No way. I would say it's probably going to get a, a cool 650. So what? Let's what separates this money making wise. What do you think separates this from Suicide Squad? It just doesn't have the same broad appeal. And it, it has I, no Margot Robbie. You don't I, think I, it, it grabbed the Harry Potter massive crowd that's out there? No, not with no, Harry Potter coming out next week. Yeah, yeah, like there's no way. Yeah, they're but, pr- yeah. Not not the, only the that, but it doesn't have the, it, the magic of Harry Potter. Right. So they're, they're, yeah, here's they're real. Really comfortable with their magic, you know. And, and I, you know what? <clears throat> for as fair or unfair as some reviews may have been for uh, Suicide Squad, that all added to the hype. So mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is basically universally loved. So there's no reason to go go see it just to disagree with somebody. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Now the genre that we're talking about before it has six or seven genres it fits into, and I'll give you the rankings for each. Under the 3D genre, it's 94, ranked 94. Comic book adaptation is 52. Fantasy live action is 27. IMAX is 98. Superhe- so the 3D IMAX is not getting a high ranking uh, overall. Uh, superhero is 49. Superhero origin story genre, it ranks 24. 24th there. So uh, don't know why anybody cares. You want to guess what the number one superhero origin story was? Iron Man. I heard Deadpool. Deadpool's number two. Iron Man does not. Iron Man is number five. Spider Man, number one. Say Batman, probably. Nope. Batman is number eight. And that's the uh, 1989 Batman. Well, at this point, shouldn't it be like all the Batmans added together in one? (laughs) (laughs) Batman Begins is number 10. It didn't even beat its predecessor. Uh, so, but there you go. Uh, so right now, Doctor Strange is ranked 24, right behind Hulk and Superman. So, all right, here comes Hulk, 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 not Incredible Hulk. Hulk, Hulk, and well, Incredible Hulk is two steps up from Hulk, Hulk. So oh, it's like Abner. 20 or whatever. <laughs> what world do we live in? Where? Oh man. Uh. That's one of those big burns, I believe. <laughs> so uh, let's let's do this. I kind of like to start with chronological order. It just makes a little more sense for me. So 
You jump into the movie, it kicks off. What did you think about him not being a complete and total ass? He had some humor to him, right? He had some likableness right out of the gate. I think they're trying to shape him up to replace Tony because they're they're going to move. After Infinity Wars, they're going to start getting some getting rid of some of these actors because their contracts are up and they're going to start wanting to refresh it but without restarting and so avengers the avengers yeah yeah so they're gonna kind of reboot the avengers but still keep it in canon and so i think that's kind of what they might be going for is trying to stick him in that role since robert downey jr doesn't have too many more films left I, I don't disagree with that at all. We've been saying that on the show for a while that, um, you know, they're going to look to start transitioning away from these actors and uh, start, you know, looking for the new batch of core characters. Uh, and I definitely think Doctor Strange is is on that list. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be I think it's unlike the comic, the comics where like Tony and Strange are both involved with that and so they're you know your top level like pulling all the strings deciding the fate of the world you know knowing stuff that the average superhero might not know i think instead in the mcu we're going to see a passing of the torch rather than like a, a teaming up in that regard and so we'll see we'll probably see strange take over as like the overall guardian of you know earth's interests in the the great wider universe i i agree I just would have liked to, at least at the beginning of the film, have that. You know, when, when they had the surgery, okay, he has the surgery, wakes up. Traditionally, in every origin that I've seen of Doctor Strange, he rips the doctor a new one. In some stories, he actually gets him fired from the hospital, ruins his career, just lights him up about he ruined Doctor Strange's hands. He was such a bumbling idiot. He couldn't have done it. You know, They threw in the one line, nobody could have done it better, and he goes, I could have. You know, but th- he didn't rip the guy apart, which sure actually led to a really good storyline later in the no, comics. He, t- he totally ripped him apart. He Not after the surgery. Ruined me. Yeah, he did. He's, he's, oh, come on. He me. said, you ruined me. I wanted a Doctor Strange. You're a bumbling fool. The rage that we know Benedict can bring. I wanted him to get the hospital to fire the guy, ruin his career. That's not Marvel's way, though. Like that- It is in the books. <laughs> but, all right. Uh, Charles, that's totally, completely apart from every other mcu film that's not how it's done but even, it, but he gets that Tony, redemption he gets the learning no, i think it, it would have made the dude, the man at the end much more powerful no, he, you would have lost people it, it, comic book fans can take that because they're used to that kind of drama and you know it obviously when you're reading words on a page you can kind of interpret the severity to a certain degree based on your own preference you know but like in a film if he oversells that, if you might lose your whole audience right then and there. No way, man. They haven't done that in any of the films. Even the villains don't get that crazy. You know what I mean? Like they, they get condescending and they get glib, but they don't like they don't turn into maniacs like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? I was just thinking of one. Uh, the worst one that I can remember immediately offhand was Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. The bunch of scraps. Like, that's, the, that's the worst we've gotten from somebody going nuts. Yeah. I mean, we've get we've gotten the the great menacing um, 
uh, Ronan with the Infinity Stone being like, oh, now I have this power and I'm going to destroy everything. But that he was already like that, so it's not really mm-hmm. much of a change. And that was tempered with a dance-off, bro. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and the other thing about Ronan is like, he was meant to be kind of dry because everybody else is so like flavorful and he is like their straight man. He's the straight man to everybody else in that film. <laughs> and, and there is a difference between having your villain set up to do that versus having your hero. Like this, right. it, I, Paul, I get what Paul's saying. That may have been a bridge too far for trains for strange to have to travel back across for that redemption piece. Now I will, I will later on as we get into the, the meat of this, I will, I will talk about timelines and stuff, which kind of gets confusing versus, you know, what what comes later. Um, but, yeah, I felt like um, I don't I don't know that Paul's wrong, but I don't know that he's 100 percent right. And I don't know that Charles is 100 percent wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying what I want is a little bit darkness to it, a little bit of that. Edge, you know, Chris Wisdom, Chris, I will trade you a roadie for your Superman. What? I'll trade you our roadie for your Superman. No way, man. Yeah, no, give me some of that, that darkness. You, no, you don't have the right Superman. to trade roadie. No. I do too, sir. That is <laughs> too much, Jay. sir. That is Zack Snyder's sir. Superman. That is David S. Goyer's Superman. <laughs> <laughs> God, all right. Gross. <laughs> what? You couldn't pay me what? a Justin Hammer for that Superman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nicely done. So the other point at the very beginning, I, I was a little put off by was I expected Doctor Strange just to be cold, to be more House like. Right, House was always cold, very dry, sarcastic sense of humor, if anything at all. And they started with that, right? He came in, the the one Doctor was going to harvest organs, and he basically called him a failure and went to get the brain, the bullet out of the brain and was a show off and made him stand in the corner and all this other stuff. But then when he came out, right, right after the surgery, you watch. Yeah. But right after the surgery, when Rachel McAdams, I don't remember the character's name at all, but when she was talking to him, he makes a few quips and actually laughs. I'm like, that's not the doctor strange. I know earlier you were, but now it was, he was fine. I just didn't expect that part. Well, and I think, because you're talking two different characters. House, to me, House is always... Well, I know it wasn't House, what Strange was. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, I mean, I think you're talking about two different two different characterizations completely. Because I, to me, House has always come across as not only is he he's the top of his game and he knows it. So there's a whole lot of ego that goes along with it. But there's a bit of Sheldon Cooper along with it. That he just doesn't understand social context at times. Doctor Strange, on the other hand, understands social context. He just doesn't give a crap. Right. So he'll, yeah. he'll play the okay. game when he... You know, at times, but he doesn't. He's not. He's not confined to it. Whereas House doesn't necessarily have have the wherewithal to go outside of his construct. I tell you though, I want to see Doctor House go to uh, Kamartage and and talk to the ancient. I want to see what that interaction is like because that would be hilarious. <laughs> this tea is good. Does it have uh, volume in it? Right. It'll, it'll be it'll be hilarious. He tries to knock his soul out, and and it's just his body. She's like, oh wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then House pro- proceeds to school her on why a soul isn't coming out of his body. <laughs> Okay, I want to see that scene right after I watch the Idris Elba is every character in, in Justice League scene. See, you're sold now, aren't you? I've been I telling am, you. I am. I've been it's so funny. You know, funny or die should do that. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all right, I'm going to toss it to somebody else. Joe, you're a little quiet. What, what's your favorite scene of the movie, Joe? 
Uh, definitely when he first gets the cape and it's pulling him away from the axe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a a nod and kind of almost a slight to the comic books where he's currently using an axe. Yeah. And so they, they pull him away from that. And to me, that seems like a, a message that they're trying to go back to more of his origins rather than what they're currently doing in the comics. So that was my favorite scene. I mean, the cape was hilarious throughout the whole thing. So best supporting <laughs> actor. <laughs> that actually kind of talks to the whole uh, the whole of the MCU because like uh-huh. all of our heroes so far are just like they're really strong guys that punch people or they're really quick guys that punch people. And like we've got Scarlet Witch, who is the only one that we've seen so far that is not like any of that. And now we've got Dr. Strange and he has this opportunity to go and be this, you know, the, the very physical character. And then it's like, no, do the cool thing with the neat thing, Mm -hmm. do the magic stuff with the magic things. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I love that. I love that. They, they push us into that. Well, Jeff was one of your favorite. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, how cool is it though, that it kind of feels like, a little bit of D and D, a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons, you know. Yeah. He, you know, he starts. He's that fledgling apprentice mage type thing, and he gets his first magic item, and then his his magic item's like, no, you don't get no other magic items yet. You're only like level five. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> calm down, bro. Like, well, you still gotta get your you gotta get your prestige class first. <laughs> Come on. Well, and, and speaking of that, as far as D and D goes, a lot of people are upset saying that he's he's too powerful at the end no he he's a basic a basic D character basic noob he's gained maybe a couple levels but he's got two legendary artifacts mm-hmm. and yeah, so like he figured out how to do fireball correctly yeah and like that's that's the equivalent of it he learned how to do this one thing really really well and use it really really well we haven't seen him do all the crap that he can do in the comics and yeah, he opened right. what one book and there's like 10 over there that were yeah. all changed up. Like, holy crap, what can he do? Yeah. And, you know, I I didn't even think about the homage to the current state of comics in Doctor Strange. The the throwback and the nod or homage that I got from this movie was straight kind of Cave of Wonders and Aladdin. And Cape is the new carpet. Yes. Yes. It's exactly. a total, yeah. total Disney nod. Sure. I mean, they're under Disney, so it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it even moved like you would expect carpet to move yes. in like a live action Aladdin, yeah. yep. which, which I is want what now. coming in two years, three years. But then Deadpool will release and they'll make it a rated R live action Aladdin just to compete, <laughs> and it'll be awesome. All right, now now I need a T turtle shirt with him and Christine and the cape, and it says, "I can show you the world." <laughs> <laughs> I know worlds, worlds plural. Yeah, worlds. world definitely. I can show the universe. I can show uh, you the multiverse. Uh, so, Jeff, what was one of your favorites? Oh, man. the Okay, visually, I will have to say that the trip through the multiverse was my favorite scene just because in IMAX 3D, it felt like that scene was made for IMAX 3D, and they had that specifically in mind as, like, you need to be in this theater for this to happen. And it was mind-blowing. Like, I felt physically anxious for him when when the hands were growing off of his fingers and like covering him up and like hands coming out of everywhere i was i was physically worried i was like what what is that no (laughs) and and then um 
as far as just the story, the way that he beat we're in we're in non spoiler or we're in spoiler yeah, territory. We're in spoiler territory, okay. yes. The way that he beat Dormammu was classic Doctor Strange. Yes. yes. Oh my god. It was it wasn't a punch contest. It wasn't like a hey, I showed up and I learned how to use all the power, so I'm now I'm gonna beat you. It was I'm gonna give you this no win situation and you have to give up. That is classic Doctor Strange win. And I I just loved it. It blew my mind that that Marvel went there. I was just like, yes! Oh my God! We win! We all win! The world wins! So, so Charles, um, I'm going to stop being on breaking the panel and just go straight to MCU cast because Jeff and I are totally of the same mind just for different reasons. <laughs> well, me, named, me and Team DC my... on screen will whoop your ass. <laughs> he just, he just, no, because all you'll do is repeat. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> He just totally named two of my favorite scenes for the same, or for, for just for different reasons. Because I'll tell you, as I was watching him travel, uh, travel through the multiverse and, and understand that there's just one, like I completely blanked out on the soundtrack and all of the audio that was going on, and all I could think of was there's no earthly way of knowing which direction <laughs> we are going. <laughs> That's all that I could think during that. Uh, and then when you get to the Dormammu scene, all I could think of was like my favorite childhood joke. There's two guys in a boat. One's named Repeat. One name's, one name, name's, one's named is Pete and one's name is Repeat. One Pete falls out. Who's left? Yeah. And repeat. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> I thought that Dormammu was done very well. It threw me off at first. I'm not exactly sure what I expected. But I, I fell in step really quick. But the facial expressions when that was going on with Doctor Strange, yes. and what presumably is like the thousandth time we saw what a dozen different ones. But you know, you know, he did it a lot more than that. And and his face like, how are you doing this? Stop! Let me Release be like a little me. child. And he wouldn't act like uh, a little child because nobody's ever been able to do anything to him. He's the yeah, most powerful this being. This is the first time he's ever been bested. Yeah, and he doesn't know what yeah. to do, so he throws a little hissy fit. And I thought it was awesome. See, I, I'm going to jump in and say, I, because the Dormammu scene is hands down my favorite scene in the whole film. And I love that scene for the reasons that you guys have already described. But it also, for me, because it harkened back to my favorite um, Capaldi era Doctor Who episode. The one where he's stuck, um, without giving too many spoilers away, he's stuck in this place that is essentially a trap for him. And right. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he keeps mm-hmm. going through the same thing over and over again. And it's very much the exact same premise. I might have ruined that for some of you who haven't caught up. I apologize. It's been out for a long. No, time. No, I think you're. I think you're random enough with that. That's not. Gonna but like, uh, you know, the whole thing. It was the the whole idea of that. He's like, you know, like Jeff just said, he wasn't punching his way out of this. He wasn't suddenly a savant with all of his powers, and you know what I mean. Like just using all the amazing powers that you know sorcerers have. It was he was using his mind. Yeah, it was he figured his, out fireball and yeah. knew where to put it. And he but, was like, you know, the thing is, I can beat you with repetition. You know, like and and think of all the things he had to learn through every iteration of that. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. as, assuming he maintains his consciousness from one, you know, rewind to the next. Which I, the it, way the movie was structured, it, that it, did, it yeah, it did. implied, yeah. So. That's a really you know powerful scene because it says that he's he's going to think abstractly. He's going to think outside the box, and that's how he's going to beat people. You know, he's not going to just you know shazam well, it. Yeah, not only that, but that whole scene was him giving up on him beating him just by being the best. It mm-hmm. was I have to let him tire himself out, but I have to 
let myself die over and over again. Yep. Painfully that's, that's, so. Yeah, yeah but, really brutally too. But, but even in that, it goes back to what Charles saying he didn't get enough of was Doctor Strange's ego and how many of those those times when I've I've come to bargain, did you see that look on his face? Like, come on, dude, you've already lost. I won. I know it. You should know it. But you yeah. don't. So we're just going to do this over and over again. Because Strange already knew that he won. And this this that was classic Strange ego. He's just like waiting for the slow kid in class to finally catch up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're, we're all already working out this problem. And on yeah, the next one, you need to just come on. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. Come on, Charles. Speed it up. I, also, <laughs> uh, also, how great was uh, Genghis Khan? I mean, uh, Wong. Wong. I heart Wong. I have that oh, little, I, big yes. note on my paper. <laughs> I love yeah, his turn. I love Wong his turn when, uh, when they were in Hong Kong. And they, you know, they're rolling it back, and they just happen upon Wong, like, "Oh my God, Wong's dead!" And then he becomes not, and then he breaks him into the, into their like, "Let's watch time roll back together." Yeah. Verse. Well, he touches him. It, it took me a second to realize this what he was doing, but he, when he touched him, they do this little weird time shimmering thing, and then he's out of time. Yeah. So he brought him back and was like, "No, we're rolling it back." He's like, "Well, don't stop now." Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, because I know, I know, violating the law, natural laws. He's don't stop now. Don't stop, now. <laughs> Don't stop on account of me. Oh. I like being alive. Go ahead. And then when you finally get that payoff of Wong laughing. Mm. Oh, yeah, my God. Laughing. But we'll get to that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Klotz, your favorite scene. I just said it. You don't have more than that? I, uh, hey, Charles, it's okay. Chris. You don't have to come with two like Jeff and I. It's okay. If well, you, what's your you second one, Chris? That's fine. <laughs> Uh, his his favorite is definitely when uh, Wong is listening to Beyonce. Ah, <laughs> yes. I, I I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed that. I, yeah, I I do love scenes like that where you have a character that's like super serious and like, and then they show them like, what was he talking about? Like, what's going on? You know, that was great. I, you know, I, I want to see Wong meet Star Lord. <laughs> oh, you know, yes. I was just thinking about that well, you know, in, in the, but Star uh, in the Lord wouldn't know who Beyonce is either. No, well, that's <laughs> true. Legitimately wouldn't know. The buddy film in waiting is the Drax Wong buddy, <laughs> <laughs> where they're just both super serious and mostly literal, and they're just like always confused by everybody else's jokes. That would be that would be a good time. Yeah. I'm really hoping that comes to be at some point. Those two characters have to be on screen together. I think that's the thing about Wong, though, is he he does get the humor. He just doesn't find it funny. Yeah. And, like, because, you know, when Stranger's like, I I used to be thought of as funny. And Wong's, Wong's like, did that work for you? <laughs> well, and see, and I think from my perspective, I view, I view Wong like that classic drill sergeant. Like if you say something funny and you're 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 a private, you're not supposed to say funny stuff, and he's gonna let you have it. He may punish you for saying funny stuff, and he may pull you aside later and let you know it was funny, but not in front of other people. No, 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 that wasn't funny. That's not happening. And he may never give you the satisfaction, but he knows. He's tracking. Yeah. So uh, I have to say, my favorite was the house fight, the New York uh, mansion fight, mm -hmm. um, because I liked how it whole. Sanctum, all Charles, you can say sanctum. It's okay. Sanctum Sanctorum. I hate you so much. <laughs> but I love you. So, <laughs> You're fired, Chris. So, uh, but I loved, I did, I loved how that whole entire middle part of the movie played out where the London Sanctum fell. And then, of course, they were already there in New York and he started a fight with them. And he, he's so 
he's so practically smart. Like instantly put it into the mirror universe. And, and when the bomb went off and everything was still there, they're like, what? And he goes, he's like a child, right? Ha, mirror universe. I bested you. <laughs> oh God, you're stronger here. Oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and that was that's how you messed up. <laughs> and, and I do love, uh, even in there, they, he's like, uh, something about um, sling ring. You, he lost his sling ring or something like that. Because once they realized they could are more powerful in the mirror universe and they're running. He's like, yeah, but he lost his sling ring. <laughs> he he just remembers all the little things. Uh, I liked how he was getting the books in the library, you know, just mm-hmm. reading. He learned how to astral project so while he's sleeping, he can still read. Uh, that was brilliant. But yeah. yeah. But the fight, the fight at the house was a little rushed for me because they seemed to, they never gave you a sense of time, right? Time obviously passed with training and everything else, but you never quite got a grasp on how much time. But we have to caveat that with the reason for that. And and this is total headcanon. And Jeff, I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not, but I, you, anytime, because I've had to, I've had to kind of adjust my certain opinions of the movie. And anytime that it deals with, with time specifically, with time passing, you have to almost give it to the movie because of the major spoiler in the movie, the the time gem, right? Yeah. So you you almost have to give it you know, hey you just have to headcanon away like oh, okay well I don't understand how time works because it, it, defi- <laughs> <laughs> it definitely seemed like he progressed super fast I mean days were going by well well but this had okay. to be said in what a week two weeks no, the, the the director Scott Derrickson said in an interview that the um, the sequence of him training takes about a year. So Mads Mikkelsen is running around for a year with that power. No, it took him a while to decipher the pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, they said at the at the beginning, like, he's got those pages, but if he's able to decipher them, then obviously this is a bad thing. And like, oh, so he, it's going to take him a minute to figure everything well, out. It'd be nice to have that a little more clear. We we don't know the exact timetable on that's the scene where he acquires the pages, compare it to Strange's story. I mean, it's presented in the film as happening first, but that doesn't mean that that's accurate, you know, chronologically. Fair enough. Fair it enough. could have happened at some point during his injuries and all that stuff. Because, yeah, it's very heavily implied that this film takes place over, you know, definitely more than a year. It's over probably a good two, maybe a little bit more than two years with all the the surgery and the recovery and all the PT and, you know, him trying all these different ways. And then he goes and trains, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. the other thing to keep in mind, as far as his relative speed with advancement is think back to the ancient one passing away scene. She shows that you when you're projecting, you can easily slow time at least to a certain degree, you know, Yeah, I got that part. So when he's, when they show that scene where he's asleep, but he's astrally projected doing his reading, that is, I mean, we can't even contemplate how much time that is potentially. You know what I mean? That right. he can study. And also he mentioned he has photographic memory. So it, if hyperbolic it, type Jaber. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he basically has, I don't want to say infinite time, but he has an incredible expansion of the normal time that we would require to rest where he can acquire new information and store it like a computer does and, and right. you know, in theory, pull it up at any time. Right, but the physical part of it, right? Having to to unlock the portals with the sling ring and having difficulty manifesting that, having difficulty manifesting some of the other stuff. 
But then, like the the time gem, obviously chose him because instantly he worked that. I I got that. I got that. That was not a learned thing. They already established the the ancient relics. Select you, so on and so forth. Yeah, um, and he didn't read the warnings first because they come. Yeah, oh, they come after. Yeah. <laughs> well, and see, and that's the thing. That's where my head cannon fills in because it's like, okay, once once he unlocks the time gem, once he unlocks the eye of Agmato, then all bets are off. Like you don't understand. You can't f- begin to fathom when when he's using it at that point. Like he could be. So let's say that this takes a period takes a, a period of ten years for him to learn all this stuff, right? But as soon as he unlocks the Eye of Agamotto, you don't know that that ten years is all linear. Sure. He, he could be going back. He could be taking a span of ten years within three seconds. I don't. I don't know that they backwards. would. They maybe they would, but it would. It seems like with the tradition of the MCU that they wouldn't try to throw something in that deep for you to try to figure out. I don't know, man. I from the beginning, you really start seeing. I mean, they're they're throwing they're throwing all these illusions at the beginning. Like I couldn't yeah. when when they're at his uh, in his apartment. I was having a hard time deciding whether all of those watches were just because he's he's a chrono sewer or chronophile. Right, I'll, let, right. I'll let the listeners decide which one. Because <laughs> I like them both equally. I like <laughs> or, chrono but, sewer because it's it's closer to the term. But it's so heavily it's it it's such a heavy allusion to what's coming. Whether or not it's just because he's somebody of means that can have all of those watches or not. How great but was it that when he opened that drawer, they were all spinning? Yes, yes. Well, and that's that's a thing. Like that's an actual thing to keep them wound. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but but to me, that was that was very, very, uh, very telling at the beginning of the movie to say, okay, time is going to be a very important thing in this movie. And then you go from that, where a guy that keeps such meticulous time because he has all of these expensive timepieces to the car, the crash where everything just slows right. down to such an excruciating pace, to then you go to the physical therapy and and waking up from the surgery and all of that stuff to stuff that's that's an actual real time excruciating pace for this guy into and i guess that to me that's maybe that's where my head cannon takes over and it's like okay now the dude's not necessarily the master of time yet but perhaps he is because you don't know how much time has actually passed since that damn eye opened up for him huh. yeah plus you got to keep in mind with his background as a surgeon I mean, they, you know, surgeons have to tap into that ability to like kind of displace everything else. Mm. And, and he shows that he demonstrates that when he, you know, in the scene, when he goes in without the, uh, the imaging, you know, no pre-imaging, he just goes in and, and he has the guy to cover his watch. Cause he can hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and yeah. Thing, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is this is a man who has an incredible ability to not, not just, you know, manual dexterity and, mental acuity but he has the ability to hyper focus you know so that says that says a lot you know about the different things happening at different points so what is going to be the worst scene in the film for you guys Ooh, i got two all right start with the first one okay um when uh he gets when he when he when he comes out of the wreck, didn't it seem like he was traveling up some rocky coast somewhere? Right. Yes. And, and the hospital that he works at is like downtown New York. Why is that the closest hospital to airlift him to? It might be a it might be the level one trauma center type deal. Was in he all in of New York City? Was he in New York though? 
I, I don't know, man. It just seemed like I was like, that's the closest it's, hospital. Yeah, yes, he was. Because, well, the hospital was in the hospital is in New York because he goes to the sanctum, right? Stumbles out the doors when he's been stabbed no, 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 and he's no, died. No, he got stabbed when he got in the, when, sorry, when the car accident. The car accident. No, 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 no. I'm just establishing why we know he was in New York. Okay. Is later on, he comes out of the sanctum after being stabbed and makes his way to that hospital to be saved by her. Right. Yeah, and he tells her exactly where the sanctum is. Um, okay, yeah, fair in enough. In yeah. to other yeah. New York landlords. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's over and so on. Yeah. She's like, what? But that, what? My problem is, and, and I'm not from New York, Paul's the closest, so maybe he has some insider knowledge, but I don't know where that, that rocky coastline is in relation to New York City, that that would be the number one, that would be the first, that'd be the trauma center number one. Uh, well, that's, yeah, I mean, that, that was obviously a stylistic choice that if you actually know the geography of the region, it doesn't really add up because I mean, yeah, there's mountains outside of the city, but it's not coastline and the coastline's mostly not like that at all. That's there's, like, there's also not an actual Avengers tower downtown shot. And that, that was my other problem. That seemed, little, that seemed a little forced. That was a little Easter egg. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was a great little. Oh look, there's Stark Tower. I don't know. Well, maybe you're it's like nobody likes center. you. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was because they centered it in the frame for me. I don't know. I just like you couldn't just show it passing in the in the skyline. You had to be like, hey, look, here's Avengers Tower. Don't forget, we're a part of the same universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, Joe, is there a scene you didn't like? Um. The what? scene that I was kind of iffy about was when uh, the oh, I'm blanking on it, the ancient one, the Celtic ancient one, when she shows up to save uh, Strange. Uh, I love that she that she, the little part of reality that she made turned into a Celtic symbol, um, but. Other than that, I don't know. It just didn't that that scene didn't jive with me. Um, she just gets beat up, thrown out the the window, and I don't know. It, yeah, that was that was my least favorite scene, to be honest. All right, I get that. Uh, Jeff, there are no bad scenes. Hmm. See, you are an MCU apologist through and through. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> says the DC on screen steadfast. Hey, I have, I have I have been the acolyte to my Lord and Savior DC on screen for for a year now. You know, I I live Rude. I live the religion of it. I'm just saying. What is what is on your nose? Is that uh, you got something brown? <laughs> Just a little bit. Klaus, did we hear from you yet? Uh yeah, I don't I agree with what Chris was saying. But it's you know tough. Jeff is right. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. Like, like Jeff I, is right in so much that he's wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> like I said previously, I really felt like I normally stuff jumps out at me, like the the bad stuff, like the inconsistencies, the you know, any of that kind of stuff. I I usually catch it right away, but I didn't really feel that way at all. I just kind of took it all in and really dug it. I I think if anything, and this sucks because I I really do think she tried but i do think rachel mcadams wasn't like her character was just kind of flat for me uh, yeah i'll give you that a little bit i mean she you could I tell like that, we didn't get enough of her right and that's yeah so i think a lot of the scenes with her collectively kind of didn't jive for me because they were just kind of like like i i got it 
you know, they were former lovers. You know, it meant a lot more to her than it did to him. At least that's what he, you know, how he rationalized it. But clearly there was more, you know, he just didn't, he wasn't comfortable with it. But like, that's the whole thing is she didn't really get to shine. She, they basically showed, you know, she's a, a badass, you know, ER doctor who, you know, is willing to sacrifice, you know what I mean? Continuously. Um, and that was really the only thing that I, you know, but like, I wanted her to be a little more fleshed out, especially when you get somebody of a caliber like she is, you know what I mean? She's no slouch acting wise, you know, the, uh, the time that they gave her to shine just a little bit was when, um, Dr. Strange kept coming back to like, save this other person, Christine, (laughs) come, we have another thing for you to fix. And she's like, Oh my God, what, what do you want? And please stay in your body this time. Right. <laughs> uh, I, to jump back to favorite scenes, I guess uh, what I forgot to mention back when, you know, we talked about favorite scenes. I love the astral projection scenes in the hospital. Oh, yeah, the I astral fight. Those were amazing. Like, oh. they were really funny and just, like, awesome. Like, and that was one of those things, like, you know, Jeff, you were talking about the not punching your way out of, like, those were clever and smart and fun. They weren't just, like... You know, yeah, when he was like, shock me, and that's the way that I'm going to beat this guy. Like, turn yeah. it up. Turn yeah. it all the way up and shock me. Yeah, yeah it was great. But, uh, but so why, that was really clever, and I enjoyed it. But why did that idiot, why did he rate extra chips? I don't understand. Like, I didn't like that doctor. He doesn't deserve free chips. That is a scene I hated. Okay, I, you just reminded me, Chris. Thank you. Why would a doctor steal extra chips? <laughs> uh, not just a doctor, but a New York City Why ER wouldn't doctor. You? Well, I mean, yeah. to be fair, he's not a very good doctor. <laughs> That's true. He pronounced somebody dead who clearly wasn't. Right. So, I mean, like, but that, I was like, dude, you probably make, like, so many figures. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all of the figures. You know, you know, you remember the M, Charles? He probably makes that. <laughs> the Babillions. <laughs> uh, I, I thought everything worked well. I can't say that I can pick apart anything. I mean, we can nitpick the little scenes. I thought maybe the weakest scene, although while I'm with you, Klaus, I, I enjoyed it. I thought the whole bringing him back to life, shocking all that jazz where he's astral projecting, a little over the top. The graphics were amazing. It did not look, he looked like he was astrally projecting into the room to me in three in the 3D version I saw. You know, it wasn't, a, it didn't look like a gimmick. Like, you know, you'll see in all the other 3D movies when something explodes, all the things fly up at the camera. Oh, it's it coming at your right, face. Right. Very obvious. Uh, gimmick this did not have that to it but i just felt like it was almost a, a why and why did shock and him give him the power to zap the astral projection of the other guy i don't understand i didn't understand don't the math on that per se transfer happens in the marvel universe <laughs> we don't have to explain it I was worried about that. That's what they've said before. That's what Marvel has said before. It's magic. We don't have to explain it. It's magic. Charles. This is strange. I was worried about Mr. EMT going, that is not the level they would go to next. They wouldn't go to 360 from 200. (laughs) No, they wouldn't, mate. We said turn it up all the way. That's all the way. So I I turn my brain off on medical scenes because they almost never get it right. They actually did really good here. He had a slow heart rate, which was absolutely right for the situation 
he had you know they had all this other stuff they she did the right medicine to find out what was going on in his chest they used the right terms i was actually impressed marvel did its damn research on how at least peripherally a doctor and its materials should work so yeah then but them jumping to 360 he said turn it up all the way and see you know, whatever <laughs> i didn't understand like okay you're actually going to fry the crap out of his heart but yet this is still gonna work all right let's, let's ride with it all right it's okay He's a mother trucking sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's remember that for a moment. The man can warp time and space. Okay. <laughs> this is time true. and space. Uh, I, I did. Everybody catch at the beginning when she knocked him or she threw him through the universes, right, for the chair to fall into the chair that he went through Dormammu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, because when they revealed, she gets her power from Dormammu. I didn't know that, you know, per se. I was not that familiar with how the Ancient One stays ancient. But I was like, well, that's kind of a duh. They showed him, like, well, she threw you. you. You looked in his face and flew through his universe. And, you know, there has to be a connection somewhere. Yeah, it's called foreshadowing, Charles. It's yeah. a common thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is how movies work. <laughs> Welcome to Breaking the Panel, otherwise known as Beating the Charles. You know, that oh, take about oh, way oh, worse oh, than okay. me. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is not how that was intended. I I apologize for nothing, but it still was not how that was intended. All right. So and this isn't a scene that I hated. I just it was a weakness I felt in the script. Like watching Doctor Strange, and I get it, he's he's a successful New York neurosurgeon. Maybe he doesn't see a lot of TV, but I'm like, dude, come on. That's the operative. Dude killed Mr. Universe. How are you going to trust him? Watch Serenity one time. You won't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the universe. No. <laughs> no. But he was excellent. That The Dr. Mordo. And I was glad, too, because, you know, we had talked about it on Breaking the Panel. that um, and I, I want to say it was when Matt Key was on. Um, that what I, hope f- I hoped for was that we would see that relationship with them build and we would see it fall apart in Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we got to see it fall apart at the end. I felt like it was maybe a little a little rushed. I'd like to see kind a little bit more. Kind of forced, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't get a, a great sense of friendship. Like, they kind of built it up going into the movie as these guys are going to be, like, best friends or something. I can't remember right. the quote that I remember seeing, but they were they were good friends. And at most, you really kind of see that these guys respect each other in the movie. Not you never get like that buddy cop feel. There's there's no uh, uh, great love between them, but a, a very mutual respect. Like they're they're definitely Facebook official, but they yes, probably yeah, yeah. don't. <laughs> we'll call it in like with each other. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that yeah, that was. I was with you, Chris. I was hoping that this they would stick together through the end of this, and then then slowly fall apart i i actually did like how they did it though whereas one of those perception things where he he just trusted and and the ancient one and and he understands things and you don't understand it dr strange and this and that and then dr strange's like do you know how she gets her power she gets her power from from uh dormammu no that's not possible and then when they're in the thing and she has the dormammu mark on her and like and it just breaks his world because for him, see, for Dr. Strange, this was practical. He can understand the reality of magic because it's being shown to him. He can study it. He can start affecting it. He gets that. For uh, Baron Mordo, well, he's just Mordo here, right? Uh, yeah, for, he's not Baron. Yeah. yeah. For Mordo, this is a religion. And science, I don't think this is what Marvel's going to, but now that we're on this analogy, science broke the religion and he, he can't see the world any other way now. And I guess I can, I can follow that reason. Because he had a dogmatic 
It yes. And see, yeah. and, and to me, that's that's. I think that's maybe the crux of the weakness of the relationship because in that instance, I'm looking for an Obi Wan Anakin relationship and that level of fall and and dissonance between the two that they they're talking about two sides of the same coin, but they can't see eye to eye. Yeah. And, and it was it I was. Think- happened too quickly i think i think they were definitely playing up the uh more of the you know big brother you know younger brother thing where you know the relationship falls apart ultimately because you know the 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 new one is taking away from the original you know Mm because it it's obvious that the ancient one and mordo are close you know like it, it she trusts him and turns to him a lot for you know things and you know, they're both obviously heavily involved in strange training. And yeah, so it's like one of those things where like he can tell that he's going to be kind of outclassed by strange at some point, but his devotion, you know, in his, and I'm, uh, this might be a lot of headcanon here from, from me, but I feel like he was like, he had faith that his devotion was still going to give him purpose and give him value in the eyes of the ancient one. Um, who he, you know, obviously was very loyal to until he started to see it unravel in front of him. And so that was the whole thing. Like, I felt like the end was a bit forced. Like, he went from content disciple to, you know, crybaby shattered acolyte very quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I feel like it would have been better if we went into the next film with, like, they're still you know, trying to fight the good fight together, but you start to see the doubt slip in or you start to see. And I also think it's a, a big mistake for a character like Mordo to like, just walk away from it all at a time like that. You know, um, I feel like if you started to have doubts, maybe you would stay kind of embedded. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I would have liked to see that into the next film where, where strange is, is basically the sorcerer supreme and he's running these things and he keeps making decisions that go against what Mordo believes in and you see that agitation just build and fester and become this enemy versus what you just said he became that broken acolyte so quickly the, the, let's we can talk about the stinger all right leading into it we had no idea Benjamin Bratt had magic he just was a guy who could walk again and it wasn't until what halfway through the movie where she talks about no when she's dying yeah so about halfway going into the third act roughly at the end of the second act where the ancient one's dying she talks about how you can choose to use your magic and of course they reference benjamin bratt's character and how he basically uses magic to walk constantly so jump yeah (laughs) jumping from there to the second stinger where mordo comes in to the workshop and Brat is there. I don't remember his stupid character name either. Pangborn. Yeah, Pangborn. Pang, okay. And that seems like a name we should know. Is that a character that is something that we should know about from the universe? Uh, the name Pangborn so. just sounds familiar. It does seem like a name that is supposed to be very obvious. Yeah. But it wasn't to me. I was like, I've never heard of that character. I guess that's an Easter egg I'm missing or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, Morna goes in, somehow zaps the magic out of Pangborn, and his whole thing is, I've realized the problem is there's too many sorcerers. I'm like, how's that the problem? <laughs> I don't, what? Well, basically, Mordo's philosophy is that there's all these people who are defying the natural order of things by abusing magic. And he's starting to realize that maybe magic isn't, you know, in his ideology, 
that magic is a problem and sorcerers are a problem because they it break should things. be kept to a select few who can right. do this right and who are worthy of this. Yeah, and, and so he's becoming uh, is somebody who went to train and you know uh, obtained the ability to use magic and tap into magical powers, and then instead of like continuing on with his training and becoming you know meaningful and useful to the cause. He is like, all right, well, cool. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go play basketball in Queens. And, you know, like that's I'm going to just go live a normal person's life, even though I use magic to animate my body. Yeah. Like, you know, so that <laughs> I could see that being. It sounds like he's a zombie when you right? say it. Like, <laughs> well, he is. I mean, he's he's a paraplegic, you know, from the yeah. jaw down, they said, you know, from the neck down. Um, And it was like so if, to me, that is, you know, one of the most offensive things. Right to Mordo's sensibilities is like, yeah. like how dare you take this great power and just use it to go play basketball? Right to go live a a muggle's life. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Although I will say that some of the best acting I've ever seen out of Benjamin Bratt when he got his magic taken away. Yeah, that was actually yeah. decent. Yeah, <laughs> his hands yeah, and, curled up. Yeah, his hands curled up and everything, and yeah. so you know it just further goes to show that you know they did the little demonstration with the old man that had no hand but it further goes to show that you don't even necessarily need to be able to move to use magic yeah because yeah i mean he's he's paralyzed from the waist down but he learned how to use magic but apparently you can have magic repossessed if you don't make your payments on time Um, I the, the, uh, the magic the, comes in a little glass vial. Uh, I a little actually, glass vial. A little glass vial. <laughs> I actually, I actually loved uh, the ending, but it, it it was almost anticlimactic, which is what Doctor Strange is. Whereas in Avengers, you're going to get this massive battle, right? In any other hero movie, there's a big, huge battle, but Doctor Strange isn't like that. It is very much exactly what this ending was, where the battle was a little slow paced, it was a little off, and then also I love the moment like time, out of time, and you're like what? What does he think? And he takes off, and you watch him just do the "I'm here to negotiate" thing, and that's there's no there's no epic climax. It's hey, I just made a bargain. Yeah, I just made a bargain with your boss, and you're not gonna like it. Malu, I'm here to bargain. Yeah, bargain. Let's do this. I want to see I want to see the outtake though. I want to see the outtake of the Blu-ray that one of the scenes instead of him saying I'm here to bargain, he goes, Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? <laughs> don't don't uh magic me, dude. That's that's the thing though with, with this movie. He didn't ultimately win with a punch face fight, but he tried to at the, be- or like uh, yeah, at the beginning yes. of, the, of the, the New York Sanctum thing. And he found out, you know, with all of that altercation, like, I can't win this just by punching them in the face or out-magicking them because they're a lot better than I am at this. Yeah. 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 And that's why I loved it. Uh, But I definitely found it a little slow-paced. But it it was good. I was so glad that Wong didn't die. Because when they arrive on that scene and you realize everybody's gone, you know, all the people who stepped out in the street to battle, they're gone. It's like, oh, man. And then he reversed time. I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Strange, because I was getting a little upset with how Marvel just killed off everybody. Uh, <laughs> and, and okay, this is the other thing. Does the magic barrier work like shield generators to go down and all of a sudden you don't have a shield? Because New York Sanctum was still up. London was destroyed. Now they're in 
Hong Kong, and by by starting to take it down, all of a sudden, Dormammu's verse is coming into our verse. And I was like, wait a minute, shouldn't you still have to take down New York or two they out of three did. ain't bad, like the song says? I don't know. <laughs> no, they did. No, sanct- no, New York Sanctum stood. Def- uh, Strange defended it, right? No, yeah. it didn't. Yeah, no, he didn't. I thought New York stood. Well, they, it sure as hell wasn't blown up. They went yeah. through that whole, they can still affect things outside of the mirror universe. Right. Right, but so, they didn't blow up the Sanctum, which is what they were trying to do when he threw them in the mirror universe. Yeah. They didn't. Well, they didn't blow it up, but Strange ended up running from them, so they could have. You think they took it down? Yeah, the implication like, was that because he this. had to retreat, he had to give up New York. And so uh-huh. they moved on to the third one. All right, Marvel, uh, I need a little less headcanon. I get that from DC. I, don't I need a little more hand holding here. I've got it. So we're we're on a two way split, Joe. You're the you're the deciding vote because I'm. I hate to say this, but I'm on the side with Charles on this one. I don't think New York fell. No, I don't think it fully fell either. But perhaps they did enough damage to weaken it sufficiently. Yeah. But right. like any like any good milk stool with only three legs, you only need to take one. So London was gone. Oh, I, I we also don't know if like. In order to, you know, basically part the veil, if they have to destroy the sanctums completely or if they just have to, like, deactivate them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody's um, here. Sure. I'll go the yeah. switch. Yeah, like, well, just up, oh, oh, turn this well, off and move on. So, I don't know. And I wonder if it's the seal on the, the windows that each of the sanctums have. Like, uh-huh. if that's what has to be broken. Right. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a enough. very fair assessment because they, they really did. emphasized... Yeah, they did keep focusing on that with Hong Kong. Like, oh, it's coming back from blowing up. Oh, it's the seal. It's right there. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, anything else besides, of course, Thor and the uh, refilling beer was really fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm just so excited. Where do you think, um, where do you guys think the next film's going to go? The next standalone? Where they did the Ant Man thing, right? At the end, Doctor Strange will return. Guardians yeah. will return. Ant Man. They've done that on the three films. Did you see the little tidbit at the very end, though? Uh, a little warning to not text and drive. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. I didn't what? get that in my theater. Yeah. yeah right the end right of the before credit. that whole Doctor Strange will return, it was like, don't text and drive because you might end up with broken hands, and then you'll have to go and <laughs> and find Kamartaj in order to get magic so that you can play basketball again. I thought maybe Joe was going to tell us that Niantic got in Marvel's ear and was going to disable that texting as we grow. Oh How great would it have been if when he was on his phone, like the little pop-up was like, you're going too fast. Are, Are you, you a passenger? passenger? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, any, we, need, we need Doctor Strange to uh, back up the Pokemon Go and remove the speed logs. <laughs> best, <laughs> best use of the Eye of Agamotto ever. Uh, so, where do we think the next standalone film is going to go? I mean, the, the obvious push is for Baron Mordor to be the bad guy. Mm. Yeah. But then again, the original, um, the original villain of this film was supposed to be um, Nightmare of the dream realm or the dream dimension. And they decided that introducing the dream dimension was too big a step, like along with introducing nightmare. So they might go for that next. I'd like to see some Mephisto. 
I think we're reaching critical mass here in looping into the Thanos storyline. So I think that if if there's another Doctor Strange movie before, there isn't before Infinity War, right? Right. There's nothing Doctor Strange planned uh, except for Dark World. Well, yeah, he's. You mean what? Ragnarok? I know he has Ayavagamoto, but he cannot go put himself in a movie that's been shot. You don't know that. You don't know how time works. That's what this movie just showed us. We don't know how time works. Um, now, I, I suspect what will happen is Mordo will be how Thanos acquires the eye or tries to. Ooh. You know what I mean? So I think that's the direction they're going. And I think it's, yeah, yeah that's my guess. Now, so when the when the bad guys all got sucked up into the dark world, it looked like they turned into mindless ones. Yes. Do, you, yes. do you think that that will play a pro? Do you think, or I guess, when do you think that'll come into play if it comes into play? Uh, Maybe strange two, three. three. I was thinking three as well. Because hmm. they they got to give it time to have Dormammu be out there scheming to be like, oh, I'm gonna get that Earth realm. Well, see, and I wonder if that's if they even need Mordo for the, the the gem because if if Thanos can get his hand on the reality gem, then does he need Mordo? Because surely he can access Dormammu's realm once he has the reality gem. Maybe. And that now here's the thing: Mordo in this film walks away because he cannot believe that she was basically pulling power from Dormammu and this and that and the other, and so mean, all that stuff, right? But doesn't he become an acolyte, a slave to Dormammu later? In the comics, you mean? In the comics, in the game we played, he was always serving his master, Dormammu. Okay. I don't understand why I'm hearing crickets right here, because <laughs> here he is in the film going, screw this guy, I'll, I'm, that's too uh, horribly evil, I can't believe you guys but, would even go near that. I mean, And then he's supposed to become a in, servant in, of that. In in real life, it's not uncommon for somebody who is of devout faith that is then broken to end up pulling the 180 and siding with the, you know, the original opposition. It's not uncommon. It's it's a common storytelling trope, and it's also a common thing that happens with people. You know, it, like when you when you give up your faith because you it's been destroyed by the fact that your beliefs. You know, you, you've been presented with evidence that tells you that everything you've believed for X amount of time is wrong. You know, it no longer, the picture doesn't look the same. So I don't think his devotion to, you know, f like, like maybe this bad guy wasn't so bad. Right. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, I can't remember Mad's character's name, but you know, Caecilius. Yeah. Right. You know, obviously that was a character that turned to Dormammu because he was like, well, the world is borked and we should just like bork, bork it all the way. He's like, well, that'll be the best way to do this. Like, we'll just, just ruin everything. Yeah. So that we can all live forever. Right. Hmm. And it's he so like. It's eternal life. Yeah. I mean, I think it, we're going to see Mordo is snapped a bit. You know, he, he's had he's definitely had his like his reality whisked out from underneath him. You know what I mean? And so, you know what? Let me let me ask a question real quick. How many of you guys have had part time job like whether it's retail or food service? Everybody uh, here? Yeah, I'm sure. assuming. Mm -hmm. As have you guys all reached reach some sort of management position? Yeah, sure. Okay, so you had a friend that's working with you, and all of a sudden he decided, I'm done, I'm out, I quit. You get his uniform back, right? You're like, bro, bro, I love you, but you got to go ahead and turn in that staff of the Living Tribunal 
And <laughs> you can't walk out with that. I'm sorry. That's yeah, he took the property. boots and the staff, didn't he? Yeah, Give exactly. me those vaulting boots of Valtor back, too, because yeah. I really need those. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Actually, no. You give those to Wong, okay? <laughs> give them to Wong. Right now. He's only got the wand of Watum. He needs yeah. something else. And how great is that that we get that little that living tribunal nod right there? Oh my god, dude! Yeah. I went. I lost it. Yep. I freaking <laughs> lost. It. I was like, they, wait, the living. They li- said those words. What? <laughs> I cannot wait till Infinity War. Right. <laughs> that was that was my thought. Is oh my god, are they going to bring him in to like fix the multiverse? Because he's gonna he's gonna get all the gems. He's just gonna break everything. And then, oh my god, blah, blah. but that does exists. That count, does that count as? One of the sixty-seven characters, or three of them, because <laughs> they're going to be hard pressed to get that number up. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any last things to say before we get off of this panel tonight? I I love this movie. The visuals were stunning. There were there were it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't Guardians level groundbreaking, but it this was a solid movie. This was a it really good movie. All the boxes and those did, those yeah. those visuals were just incredible yeah if you're gonna go see this big like if you're listening to us trying to decide whether or not you have to go see this first off you have to go see this why have you been listening this long secondly (laughs) see it in imax 3d because it is just incredibly visual sure um i i would say that this is the i've been asking for a while how are we going to make the step to cosmic level marvel storytelling and this is definitely a solid foundation to jump from like yeah. this, you know, Strange's power set and everything that's been introduced. The, this whole aspect is going to start bridging the gap between how we get from these stories being based on earth and everything happening to us on earth to us venturing out into, you know, the universe and having cosmic level interactions. So I'm, I'm very, <laughs> very, very excited. Doctor Strange goes out for a bit. He comes back with four people with him and everybody's like, who are these guys? And he's like, well, this is Reed and this is Sue. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny. Did he pick up the reality gem on his way? Because I'm pretty sure that's not going to (laughs) happen. You know what? I'm going to that that is one thing that really they did really well in this movie because I was at the beginning going into this movie. I couldn't understand how they were going to do what I was assuming they wanted to do without the eye of Agamotto, without it being the reality gem with it just being the time gem. And they did it well. Like they, they did everything they needed to with explaining it away. And I don't want to say explaining it away. Like it was just an afterthought with real, with the reality portions of that being answered with magic. You didn't need the reality gem for that. The time gem served its own purpose to the story and to the universe. So, yeah. How how awesome though was that one scene in the bathroom where he has to to leave again to go back into the battle and he has some tears right coming down his cheek and he throws the cape on, pops the collar, and then the collar starts wiping his tears away. (laughs) He's like, he calls it out. He's like, stop it. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Too close. Too close, Cape. We're not that close yet. Uh, I love love that the Cloak of Levitation is kind of like the BB-8 of this movie. Right? I I did not expect that at all. And yes, I'm with you. I thought it was really And that was when he was wiping his tears. That was when it it ascended to, to... to, to carpet for me. Yep. 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 So, all right, there you go. So, catch Jeff Randall on the MCU cast every week. Tell us about what's been going on with that real quick, Jeff. 
Man, right now they got Ghost Rider rolling up in the in Agents of Shield, and they're talking about all the magic stuff, which goes right along with Doctor Strange. They talk about the Darkhold, and I I want them to bring Doctor Strange in. Like, oh yeah, I've got that book. Um, we're good. <laughs> or like, give it to him. Like, oh, we can't have this with anybody. Like, give it to that guy because he's got it right now in the comics. And um, yeah, just the 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 MCU is pushing forward like a an unstoppable behemoth, and the TV is going right along with it. It's been a fantastic season so far. Excuse me as I drop some Charles on you, Jeff, but what's, what's a ghost rider? How dare you? You're fired second I'm time in the show. I'm at you so hard right now, Chris. <laughs> so hard. Uh, I, you know, um, speaking on that though, I want to see, I want to see um, the ancient one try to push ghost riders spirit out or his soul out of his body be like no i sold mine to the devil (laughs) (laughs) joe you can catch him every week on pokemon go podcast what do you got going there joe just catching them all you know (laughs) 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 no he's not kidding he's the freaking one percenter of pokemon man he's got like 50 snorlaxes and five loppers i think he's got a mewtwo already yeah, I know. This is he's not really catching them all. He's he specializes in Dragonite Snorlax. <laughs> you know, my uh, my hundred percent IV Dragonite that's at twenty nine fifty CP, oh and that's God. that's literal. I that I have that. That thump you hear is Pokemon <laughs> D hitting the table. <laughs> it's like a baby's just, arm holding a Pokeball. I just dropped the Pokeball and walked away. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, you can catch him at PokemonGoPodcast.com. I write over there with Brian Ebbett. You can catch MCUcast at MCUcast.com. And you know what, Klotz and Chris, I'm going to let you fight over what Breaking the Panel is all about. Well, it's they're about stating Charles's ego. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite of that. All you do is crap on me the whole show. But but we we educate you and we do it with love. not when you're wrong. But we're never wrong. We're never wrong because <laughs> I've I've never once in the entirety of breaking the panel ever been wrong. Weasleys. So you can catch myself, Klotz, and Chris on this show, Breaking the Panel, every week at Breaking the Panel on Block Talk Radio. And it is uh, giantsizeteamup.com forward slash Breaking the Panel. And you can can check out Charles McFall on the Rock God of Podcasting. Charles, what have you got going on over there? (laughs) Okay, now, not only are you rehired, you get a raise, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> I tell stories for an hour. So ask me anything about my life, my journey, the stuff I've been through with my marriage, podcasting, everything that's gone into building who I am today. And we get questions from the digital audience, either through SpeakPipe or through email or through Facebook. And I go and answer it. And it's, it's truly ask me You don't answer anything. Twitter questions? Uppity prick. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? What's the Twitter? Like, <laughs> I, I don't read the tweaks or, or whatever you're talking about. 
I was, was going to say we couldn't hear any of that over the sound of the crickets, but what you guys said is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, definitely check that out. The most recent show I had was from Dragon Con. Rob Roberts asked me with all the different shows that I have do and I've done in the past, what is I haven't done and would like to do. So you get a little bit of history of podcasting and where I came from, and then a couple of shows that would be great to do in the future. Man, you've already fun. played board games with me. Like, what else do you want in life? This is yeah, not much, man. That was pretty high. That's pretty high on the bucket list right there. So, and then, you know, the rest of the bucket list is get everybody on this panel, plus all the hosts who are not on this panel tonight to come to Dragon Con and let us rock that one hard. That'd be awesome to have our own big table and talk about the shows. So, catch us everything here. Everybody here, their shows can be found at giantsizeteamup.com. That is our network. That is how we all know each other. And one of these days, we'll prove that we actually have some females on the network. They just could never quite make the schedule for these movie panels. Uh, but that is Booze and Phasers. You can check them out. There is who is not here tonight? DC on screen. Uh, that is. David and Jason, they do a wonderful job over there. So wonderful that I am proud to repeat what they say. Chris Wisdom, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And the Blazing Defender report, Blazing Defender himself, Travis Jones, was supposed to be here tonight, and he got called into work, so he was not able to do that. But he's doing some amazing work over there through YouTube. Anything that I – did I miss anything, fellas? So much, Charles. So many. So many things. (laughs) How much time do you have that we can list them? We got another two hours. <laughs> I am thinking none of you in any award speeches that I ever give. I'm just saying right now. That's probably for the best. We'd like, <laughs> we'd like to maintain our public, uh, you know, personas. All right. Well, as tradition holds for breaking the panel, tune in next week to hear Paul Klott say. Until next time, <laughs> true believers. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com. <laughs>